Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. But today we pick up in John chapter 21 where we left off and we will look at two more verses today in John 21 more specifically verses 18 and verses uh, 19. Last week we were in verses 15 through 17 and we learned that Jesus restored Peter back into ministry again. We learned last week that Jesus so graciously restored Peter back into ministry again. The Lord Jesus' most precious uh, possession is his sheep, uh, for he came to seek and to save his sheep which was lost. Uh, And Jesus in verses 15 through 17 gives to Peter, a man who previously denied him three times and now was struggling to confess uh, his, his true love for Jesus because his failure was in the back of his mind, right? So Jesus gives to Peter the great task of feeding his lambs, tending his sheep and feeding his sheep. Jesus knew that Peter loved him It was not a perfect love, but Jesus said, I will use you anyway. And remember that love can grow, and it did indeed for Peter. Love can grow. Not his love toward you, but our love toward him. Love can grow. Again, not his love toward us, but our love towards him. So love can grow, which it did for Peter. And so now we pick up in verses 18 and 19, but I'm going to read verses 15 through 17 as well, just for our recap. John 21, 15 through 19. Grab your Bibles, John 21, 15 through 19. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these. Remember, he says to him, do you agapeo me? Do you love me with the sacrificial kind of love, the, the, the God kind of love, the highest kind of love? Do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But Peter here uses the word phileo, which is a lesser kind of love, which is a brotherly kind of love. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you agapeo me? Do you agape me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know that I have affection towards you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, okay, since you won't Say that you agapeo me, then do you phileo me? Do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time now, do you phileo me instead of do you agape me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I have affection towards you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Verse 18, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, You girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you 
where you do not wish. This she spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Verses 18 and 19, again, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for John 21. We thank you, Lord, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, so shall your word be that goes forth from your mouth, it shall not return to you void, but it shall accomplish that which you desire and it shall prosper in the very thing for which you sent it. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the seed that has come to us, the seed of your word. And Father, I pray that it would grow in us, that your word would transform in us, that your word would produce in us, in us fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. We thank you that your word works. And I pray this morning that your word would fall upon good ground. I pray that our hearts would be ripe, that our hearts, that our minds would be open that we would forget, Lord, um, ourselves, that we would forget, Lord God Almighty, our, our own um, uh, desires and our own ways, Lord, and we would just allow your word to function, Lord, and to work effectively within us. I pray that we will submit this morning to your word, that we would see and exalt your word above ourselves, above our opinions, and that we would embrace and hold tight and grasp your word and hold it close and dear to our hearts. May we love you and may we love your word. We thank you for it this morning. And we give this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, we pray. Speak, Holy Spirit, speak. One day, you and I will die. That is the truth. That is a reality. That is a promise. One day, you will die. Think about that for a moment. We wake up day after day 
and we get into the habit of living on earth and sometimes we forget that one day we will not wake up and that one day we will most assuredly we will definitely die you are going to die and someone will have a funeral for you if things work the way that we believe they should then your grandparents will go first i uh, some of you guys still have your grandparents. Um, I lost my grandmother at the end of last year, 2019. Uh, again, some of you still have your uh, grandparents. I've lost uh, both my grandfathers many, many, many years ago uh, and then lost uh, one of my grandmothers again last year and I have one grandmother left. She's uh, around 94, 95, uh, lives in New York um, and she is the final grandparent that I have that is still remaining. But if things go the way that we believe that they should, then first our grandparents will go they will slip away from us and um, then your parents will go next your grandparents and then your parents and then guess what and then it's it's your turn and then your time will come and you're just waiting in line your grandparents and then your parents and then you are next and then after you will be your children one day you will die and that is certain unless the lord jesus comes back within our generation if jesus doesn't come back within this generation then death is a promise my friend for you every day that you wake up you are one day closer to your death and just yesterday i heard of an ethiopian pastor from a local church on the dc Maryland border uh, that just lost his life yesterday morning to coronavirus uh, and my in-laws they knew him so our prayers go out to to his family and a few days before that uh, I was told of a local uh, Ethiopian woman who was eight months pregnant uh, who died to coronavirus and by the grace of God they were able to uh, to save her eight month old um, uh, baby that was that was about to to be born they were able to save the baby praise God but she she never got to meet um, her child and she died eight months pregnant and left behind uh, three or four uh, children and again my in-laws also they knew her I entitled this message today, Your Final Act of Worship. Your Final Act of Worship. Your Final Act of Worship is dying in faith. This is your final act of worship, dying in faith. That is the earthly destination, death in faith. That is the earthly Defini uh, destination and then eternity with him in heaven after that but our earthly destination is to die in faith but before we get there we must first live for him and we must be led by his holy spirit and jesus says it like this he says follow me 
John 21 verse 18 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you would stretch out your hand. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Most assuredly, I say to you, most assuredly, everything that Jesus says is most assuredly. Everything that Jesus says is truly, truly. Everything that Jesus says is verily, verily. Everything that Jesus says is certain. But when Jesus chooses to say most assuredly, or truly, truly, or verily, verily, then you better incline your ear if you did not incline your ear already. When he says most assuredly, then you better incline your ear to hear exactly what he is saying. He says most assuredly, I say to you. The text this morning is full of contrasts and analogies. When you just look at the text here, you will see that it's full of contrasts and analogies. Let's look at some of the contrasts that Jesus makes here. He says, most assuredly, I say to you that when you were younger, when you were younger and when you are old, contrast, when you are younger, and when you are old. Another contrast that we see is he says here, you girded yourself. You girded yourself, but then another will gird you. Another contrast that we see here is that you walked where you wished, he says, but then someone will carry you where you do not wish. So we see younger and old. We see girded yourself and another girding you. We see walked where you wished and we see carried where you did not wish to go. When you are old, this is literal and is referring to old age, but it wouldn't take away from the text to include maturity in here as well. Old also meaning mature. When you are old, when you are more uh, mature um, in the faith, when you are old, um, when you are younger, this is also literal again meaning age, but can also refer to and include immaturity as well. When you were younger, when you were immature um, uh, in your faith, when you didn't even uh, know me back then when you were young and back then when you were immature. So we see maturity versus immaturity. We also see old versus young. And we look at maturity in the natural world as uh, self-sufficiency and independence. When we think of maturity today and within the natural world, we think of self-sufficiency and independence. That's how we view um, maturity. And as we age, uh, the more we are dependent on someone else, like a parent or someone like that, that is deemed as immaturity. Uh, the world pushes us to self-sufficiency and we even raise our children 
this way so that they won't depend on anyone or anything and so that they can effectively uh, provide and take care of themselves. That is a main goal for many parents today. It's training up their child for independence. However, in the spiritual world, in the spiritual realm, in the realm of faith, when it comes to this walk of faith, maturity is defined by dependency. Maturity is it is defined by dependency. The more that you trust in, uh, rely on, lean on Christ, the more mature you are. The text, again, is full of contrasts and analogies. Let's take a look at some of the analogies that Jesus makes here. There's a, uh, an analogy of clothing, a clothing analogy. You used to dress yourself uh, and wear what you wanted in other words you were in control but when you are old you will need assistance is he saying no that's not what he's saying he's saying you will need more than assistance when you are old you won't just need assistance but another will dress you completely in other words you will be so yielded to the spirit of god that you will no longer be in control another will completely gird you we see another analogy here. Uh, I'll just call it the, the freedom analogy. Um, he's saying you used to uh, schedule. You used to plan your day and do whatever you wished to do within that day. You used the time for your purpose. You walked wherever you wished. If you wanted to go fishing, then you went fishing. If you wanted to go for a walk by the shore, then you did. If you wanted to travel, then you did. Whatever you, Peter, wanted to do, you ultimately did. Whatever you wanted to do was done by you and you carried out the desires and the wishes of your own heart however he's saying there is coming a day when you won't even walk but you will be carried and you will end up in places peter you will end up in places that you never even thought of not by your will but by the will of the Spirit. Just like Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. However, let not my will be done, but your will be done. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the leading and he will take us to places that we never even dreamed of. In Matthew chapter 3, we see Jesus as being baptized and again he's filled with the spirit and then the spirit that filled jesus the bible says in matthew uh, chapter 4 that the spirit led him into the wilderness sometimes the spirit will lead you again into places where you do not want to go or places that you don't think is desirable and the spirit led again jesus into the wilderness verse 19 
This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Isn't it amazing how God can even be glorified in your death? Think about that. God can be glorified. I mean, not only can he be, he desires to be. He wants to be glorified in your death. That's amazing, you know, that he can be glorified in our death. That's a completely different uh, perspective, um, a completely different way of thinking of death um, than we think of death. Real disciples will follow him even unto death. Real disciples will follow him even unto death. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 38 says this, he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. I remember a, um, uh, a story um, in, it was set in, in uh, I believe it was in the Middle East uh, somewhere. And I remember hearing this story uh, many years ago when I was youth pastoring and I shared this story with my youth. And I remember hearing uh, this story of a group of radical um, Islamic men who walked into a church somewhere, somewhere in, in the Middle East, somewhere I believe it was. And they interrupted the service during their regular uh, Sunday gathering or whenever it was. They interrupted the service and they demanded uh, that all of the people that believe in Jesus Christ um, and are ready to die for their faith, they demanded that they stand up, that they rise to their feet. So they walk into this church and they have, they're armed to the T with all kinds of guns and, and everyone's down on the floor and they say, hey, listen, I want you to stand up if you believe in Christ and you're ready to die for your faith. And many, they, they stood up and, and many, they remained on the ground. Now, all of the ones who remained on the floor, who, who didn't stand for their faith in Jesus, they were executed. They took them out and, and, they, and they killed every single one of them who didn't stand for their faith uh, in Jesus. And the ones who stood, they were taken away by these armed men. Um, and the reason why they were taken away by these armed men is because these armed men, they believed that they themselves being extremists and, and radical Muslims, uh, they themselves believed that they could convert these radical uh, Christians. And they believed that if they were radical Christians, then they could be radical Muslims. So they saw the ones who were on the ground, they saw them as, as cowards, so they killed them. But they saw the ones who stood for their faith, they saw them as extremists, as Christian extremists. They saw them as radical Christians, and they said, these ones we can work with. Now, their, their reasoning, again, was a radical Christian will be a radical Muslim. And we've seen that on the reverse, right? We've seen that uh, many radical 
Muslims, when they are converted, they become uh, radical Christians. Now, it's extremely sad to me that we even have to make a distinction between those who are radical and those who are not. It's extremely sad to me that I even use the term uh, with you this morning, radical Christian. It's sad that I have to use that term uh, because we should all be radical Christians to the point where radical is not even a thing in Christianity because we're all the same. We should all live for him and we should all be willing to die for him. In verse 19, Jesus was predicting, stating and declaring the death by which Peter would die. Not just that he was going to die for him in faith, but more specifically, he, Jesus, reveals exactly how he, Peter, would die. He doesn't just say to him, hey, you're, you're going to die for me. But he actually reveals to him exactly how he will die. He will serve into old age. And in the end, he will die with hands outstretched. Hands outstretched is a euphemism for crucifixion. Uh, according to tradition, Peter died by crucifixion during the Neuronic persecutions of Christians in 64 to 65 AD. And there's fairly reliable tradition that teaches that Peter absolutely followed his Lord in the form of his death, probably in Rome, again, under the Emperor Nero in the early to mid 60s of the first century. The earliest recorded account of this comes from Tertullian, right around 211 AD, that, that reveals that Peter died in this way. And it's been stated for over 1800 years, all throughout church history, that Peter refused to be crucified in the same manner by which his, his Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, was crucified. He said, I'm not even worthy to be crucified the way that he was crucified. So 1800 years of, of church uh, tradition and history reveals to us that Peter was then crucified upside down. He glorified God in his death and he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like him. So crucify me upside down. He made that request. He said, excuse me, I know and I understand that you're about to crucify me, but could you do me um, one last favor? I have one last request of you. Would you kindly crucify me? upside down because my Lord and Savior, he was crucified right side up and I'm not worthy to be crucified like him. So please crucify me upside down. And it seems as though that request was granted and Peter himself was crucified upside down. So he honored the Lord in his death. So question for you, would you want to know um, how you would die? Would you want to know how you would die and whether you would die being young or old, would you want to know that? Would you want that to be revealed to you? This revelation was a great encouragement for Peter for a number of reasons. I'm going to tell you right now. Peter once claimed that he would die for Jesus. And now he is doubting if he could even live for Christ. 
He once claimed that he would die for Jesus. And now earlier in John 21, Peter is doubting if he could even live for Christ. And Jesus tells him, you will both live for me and you will also die for me. But he says this will happen when you are old, when you are an old man, Peter, then this will happen. Now, in Acts chapter 12, Peter is put in prison. Follow with me here. Jesus tells him you're going to die as an old man and you're going you're gonna to live for me, Peter, but you're also going to die for me. This is a great encouragement for Peter. In Acts chapter 12 now, Peter is in prison and he's chained between two gods. And Herod has placed a hit on Peter's life that he is to be executed in the morning. Herod says, this man, Peter, he's going to die. Watch over him overnight. He's chained between two gods. And they say, in the morning, you are most assuredly going to die. And you know how Peter responds to this decree? He's asleep. Peter's sleeping. Now, now there is, <laughs> there is, there is no one in the world on death row or who knows that they're about to be executed in the morning, who's having a good night's, uh, a good night's rest the night before. That's that's not happening, right? So Peter knows he's about to be. He's told, right? He doesn't know it to be true. He's told he's about to be executed, but how he responds to this is he's asleep. And why is he sleeping? He knows that there's absolutely no way that he's going to die tomorrow. Why? Because he has learned to trust in the words of Jesus. Peter, on his journey with Jesus, he has learned to trust in the words of Jesus. And Jesus told him, when you are old, then will death come to you. And Peter was not old yet. He was still young. And Peter would die three decades after his restoration to ministry by Jesus. Remember, he died somewhere around 64 to 65 AD. So Peter learned that he could trust what Jesus said. Jesus told Peter once before in the past to come. As he was on a boat, Jesus told Peter to come. And Jesus was on the water and Peter stepped out of the boat and began to walk on the water. However, it was not the water that was carrying Peter. It was the word that Jesus spoke. The word that Jesus spoke, the word come, was the word that held Peter upon the water. So Jesus told Peter also to go fishing one time in the past and you will find a golden coin in the mouth of a fish and it was so just as Jesus had told Peter. On at least two other occasions Peter had also fished all night long catching absolutely nothing but then when Jesus came and spoke and commanded Peter to throw his net on the right side of the boat there were two great and mighty catches of fish. Again, by the word of Jesus and the obedience to his word. However, there was one time where Peter uh, doubted Jesus. Jesus told Peter that you will deny me three times before the end of the night. And Peter said, absolutely not. In other words, he was saying, Jesus, you don't know Peter. You don't know me. You think you know me, but not this man. Mm -mm, there's no way I'm going to deny you. He was saying, Jesus, you don't know me. I will never deny you and he did he denied jesus just a few hours after that so 
in, in verse 17, when Jesus asks Peter the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you phileo me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you phileo me? And he said to him, he said, Lord, you know all things. He came, Peter came to the realization. He understood that he no longer, that, that Peter himself didn't know all things, but that Jesus knew all things. And when Jesus said to him, Peter, do you even have affection for me? I could see where Peter bowed his head and he said, Lord, you know what? You know all things. I, I mean, you know, I believe I have affection for you, but Lord, you know everything. You know all things. He's lost his confidence within his flesh. So Peter knew that he could trust in the promises of God, what, what God, what Jesus had, had said to him every single time was true. Jesus was always right and Peter was always wrong. So Peter knew that he could trust in the promises of God and that what Jesus spoke was and will always be true, even if it doesn't feel like it at the time. Even if my circumstances are speaking a different language than the one that Christ speaks to me, my feelings are a fraud when compared to the Word of God. My feelings are a fraud when compared to the Word of God. My circumstances are a fraud when compared to the Word of God. Everything around me assures me that I'm going to die in the morning, Acts chapter 12. Everything around me assures me the king has declared and decreed that I will die. I'm chained up between two gods and I'm literally just hours away, hours away from my death. But I will not fear because you, Jesus, have spoken to me. And my time has not yet come. I'm still young and you told me that I cannot die until I'm old. So I will not fear. I will not worry. And I'm going to sleep. And I'm going to sleep. I'm going to get a good night's rest. The promises of God, church, will cause you to rest. The promises of God will cause you to rest. Selah. The promises of God will cause you to rest. And you can rest in the promises of God. Amen. That is great, great news. The end of verse 19. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me, follow me. In John 13, verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? This is back in John 13, verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Uh, Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times in verse 38. 
Will you lay down your life for my sake? And amazingly, Peter, he did. He did lay down his life for the sake of the Lord. And Peter did uh, follow him and he followed him unto death. Uh, Peter, uh, Jesus told Peter, where I'm going, you cannot come right now. You can't go where I'm going right now, but eventually you will. And eventually Peter did. Peter died. I want you to understand this. Peter died. And all that we've learned about Peter, Peter died faithful to the Lord. Peter died committed to the Lord. And Peter did not shy away from his faith in the Lord. And Peter did not deny Jesus again. He had many opportunities to deny him again, but he refused to. Peter, before being filled with the Holy Spirit, was almost a completely different man after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus told Peter and all the other disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise from the Father to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth and to the ends of the world. You shall be witnesses unto me, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Peter did not love his life unto death and the one who once flailed the Lord eventually agaped him, eventually agapeoed him. Peter said in 1 Peter 4 and verse 6, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. You see the boldness of Peter here. And in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 14, Knowing that shortly I must put off my tent. This was um, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 14. Excuse me. This was a little before Peter was about to die. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 14. And he says this, he says, knowing that shortly, very soon, he's an old man now. And he's saying, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. He had remembered the promise of the Lord about his death and he was ready to lay his life down. I want you to understand that after accepting the commission, you will always be confronted with its cost. After accepting the commission, you will always be confronted with its cost. And after accepting the commission, you will always be confronted with the cross. After you accept the, the commission to follow him and to go, you will always be confronted with the cross that you have to bear, the cross that you have to carry, and the price that you will have to pay. The road of discipleship is the road of the cross. As Jesus had earlier made clear, the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. As with Jesus, Crucifixion leads to resurrection and death leads to life. 
Paul said in Galatians 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Psalm 116 and verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Ephesians 6 and verse 24, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love, with an unending love. Follow me. Follow me was one of the first commands Jesus gave to a would-be disciple back in John chapter 1 and verse 43. Now it's the last command given to the onboard disciple Peter and John 21. Being a disciple of Jesus still and always, always, always means following after him. Remember that. The call that came to Jesus' first disciples in John has now come to you and I. And it is a call to follow him. It is a call to take up our cross. It is a call to follow him regardless of the cost. And before we get ready to close here, I, I want to I, I ask you this question. What are the excuses that you give as to why you cannot come and see what the Lord wants to show you what are the excuses that you give as to why you cannot come and see what he's showing you as to why you cannot follow him what are some of the excuses that you give in Luke chapter 4 verses 16 through uh, 20 the uh, the great supper where Jesus invited many to and he sends he sends his servants um, out to invite many uh, to come and to and to see what the Lord is doing and the Bible says that there are many excuses that are made. Jesus sends his, his folks out and says, go out and invite the folks in. And these are some of the excuses that were made. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. They were invited to the great banquet. And the first one says, I've bought a piece of, um, uh, of ground. I have, uh, I have a property. Have property and I have to go see my property so can't can't go can't um, can't follow you uh, right now please have me excused uh, the second said I've bought uh, five yoke of oxen uh, and I'm gonna go and uh, test out my uh, oxen so uh, please have me uh, excused uh, another one said I actually just got married um, and my and my wife you know I have to um, go see, I have to go spend some time with her. These, these excuses were all um, pitiful. What are the excuses that you make? Your wife will still be there. Your oxen will still be there after the banquet. Your property will still be there. What are the excuses that you make as to why you cannot connect with the Lord, why you cannot fellowship with Him, why you cannot commune with Him, and why you cannot ultimately follow Him? What are the excuses that you fathom within your mind and create as to why you cannot come and see the, the beauty of the Lord, come and see the things that He wants to reveal to you? What are the excuses that you make 
as to why you cannot come and see what he wants to reveal to you and the excuses that you make as to why you cannot ultimately follow him. What are those, what are those excuses? You can say them to yourself and I wanna let you know right now that all of those excuses, they are pitiful and they are invalid. As we um, close here, I want you to understand the, the greatest test. Here is the greatest test. If you won't live for him, then you won't die for him. If you won't live for him, then you won't die for him. And if you are not willing to die for him, then you will never live for him. Matthew 16 and verse 25, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see the great heroes of faith. And I'm going to uh, skip over um, most of it for sake of time. But Hebrews chapter 11, we see the great heroes of faith. And I'm going to read this and then we're going to pray. And what more shall I say? Hebrews 11 verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36, still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and of imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves in the earth. And all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Your final act of worship is dying in faith. Death is certain. The purpose of death is to glorify Him. And God has made provision for you in death through the death, burial and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, who came to die for you. He's made provision for you call upon the name of the Lord call upon this Jesus who laid down his life who was perfect who laid down his life for a sinner like you a sinner like me call upon him and he will save you today but I want you to remember and account the cost he will cause you to follow him and he will cause you to carry your own cross and to walk after him. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I, there was uh, so much there and, uh, and all of it we didn't, we didn't even cover. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that what we did cover uh, with the time that we had, I pray, Lord God Almighty, that we would be uh, reminded, Lord, that, 
that death, Lord, is, um, <laughs> Lord, that we can glorify you in death, that we don't have to fear death or be afraid of it. But Father, I pray that we will um, glorify you even in our last hour, that we will glorify you in death just as you, Jesus, glorified God in death. May we glorify you in death. Thank you for calling us to take up our cross and to follow you. I pray, Lord, that you would cause everybody at the Way City Church, that you would cause everybody listening, Lord, that you would, um, that they would answer the call and that they would ultimately follow you unto death, that they would follow you regardless of the cost. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.